Hey everyone, I'm Bobby Sylvester, and we've got an ADP price checker episode on the way with Evan Silva of rotoworld.com. But first, I want to remind you all about the sweepstakes we have going on thanks to one of our sponsors, pristineauction.com. Pristine Auction has signed jerseys, signed helmets, and all kinds of great memorabilia to bid on, with hundreds of items being auctioned off every day. We landed a signed Antonio Brown jersey that we're going to be giving away, and all you have to do to enter the contest is rate and review us on iTunes, then send us a screenshot to contest at fantasypros.com. When you do that, you're going to be entered into all giveaways for the rest of the season. In the meantime, support Pristine Auction by taking a look at what they have for you, and please make sure to let them know that Fantasy Pro sent you. All right, on to the show. Hey everyone, hope you all had a great weekend. Welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Taglier. Tags, how's it going? It's going, man. It's um, it's a good day to be recording a podcast. I'll tell you this. My son is turning six months actually tomorrow, and his doctor's appointment was today to get like three shots. And it just so happened that our podcast recording time was was this doctor's appointment time. So my wife had to take him, and I'm I'm just happy. I, I hate seeing my little guy in pain. So uh, yeah. he's getting three shots today. So he's not going to be a happy camper in about uh, 20 minutes. So, Tags, today we have guest Evan Silva of RotoWorld.com joining us to take a look at ADP and some of the advantages and warning signs we can take from it. Evan, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks so much for having me back, guys. Yeah, no, I'm excited. So if you're in your car, if you're at work, whatever you're doing right now, seriously, make it a point to to be listening to this podcast, because I promise you, by the end of it, you're going to walk away, you're going to learn something today. And that's that's the goal of it. That's why we love having Evan on. It's good to have him back. Um, talking about some of these, these, these players that are varying in ADP, I'm curious to get his opinion. But Bobby, let's start with this news on Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, do you have the details of that, of basically the... Uh, what came out this morning? So he was at uh, the church bar in Dallas, and he was just involved in an altercation. We don't exactly know what's going on, but we have been hearing he's probably going to be suspended two games, maybe just one. Uh, I don't I don't remember who it was, maybe Adam Schefter that broke that report. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to give credit to the wrong place, but you know, with this additionally, it just is not looking promising for Elliott. Yeah, Evan, where are you at with Ezekiel Elliott right now with the, the you know the suspension looming from the whole domestic violence incident? Now we're hearing about this bar thing. Again, we don't know the details of it, so it's all really speculation. But are you dropping him down your draft board a little bit? Uh, I already had him lower than pretty much everyone else. I mean, people were just religiously like almost like they had felt feeling like they had to take him at number three overall. Yeah, you know, was never really in play there for me because especially in in best ball leagues, which is what, what I'm playing right now. I'm not really doing many redraft uh, leagues right now. You know, you don't get uh, in-season roster management. And so, you're, I mean, you're just going to take zeros for those weeks from your from your top three pick. You're just going to take zeros on, on all the games he missed. And I, I don't want zeros from my guy when I'm, when I'm using a top three pick on him. Uh, so he's been in the middle of the first round for me, which means I have zero Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, he's... I don't know if if he's going to move any further down that, but he's definitely putting himself in a position where 
I'm going to have to consider moving him down even further um, because I, I think I have him at number seven overall right yeah. now, and he's, and he's still my my RB three. And look, you know, we saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell last mm-hmm. year. He missed three games. He came back, and he was a league winner the rest of the way. And you were actually you you wound up getting Le'Veon Bell at a great price last year, and he was just you know the definition of a league winner. And, and it's possible that a similar scenario could play out with Ezekiel Elliott. But he's putting himself in a position where he's like begging or, or like asking the NFL to hit him with something big you know, mm-hmm. in terms of league discipline. And that's that's a situation that I don't, I don't want to run myself into uh, in, in, a, in leagues where I, ha- where I have no ability to make in-season roster decisions. Yeah. I also moved Elliott down to number six after I saw the news that he was going to probably be suspended two games, but it's worth noting he wasn't arrested. And so who knows what it really means to be involved in an altercation? Like maybe he was just around guys who happened to be, and he didn't really do anything wrong besides just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, so I'll it, it keep an eye seems on it. It like this guy has been in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's a great at point. A, at an extremely high rate uh, over the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. Tags, where are you seeing this man? Well, the, I, I, I'm with Evan to an extent. I had him as my number three running back. I was taking Antonio Brown with him before any of the suspension talk even was brought back up because I think it's, I think people, you know, just like last year, we undervalued running backs or most people did. And then this year, I think people are starting to overvalue running backs a little bit and wide receivers are becoming somewhat of a value especially Antonio Brown so if I had the number four pick I was I was giddy because everybody was taking Zeke at number three so I'll take all the Antonio Brown shares I can I mean if I hear he has a two-game suspension I'm going to be toying with the with the the, do I put him behind uh, LaShawn McCoy do I put him behind Melvin Gordon and it's just because I've talked about it before in this show like if you draft someone like you know Doug Martin and rely on him as you know your RB2 and saying well I'll figure it out for the first couple weeks if you do that too often it's going to put you in a position to where let's say you start one and three you might do things with your fantasy team that you wouldn't necessarily do if you started out three and one or you know like it just puts you in a bad spot and it forces you maybe to make a trade that you didn't want to make um you know we do it every year like last year Dante Moncrief when he got hurt I didn't want to drop him on my teams and and I paid the price because of that you know I missed out on certain waiver wire guys that I probably should have gotten because I was just waiting for him to come back and even when he came back he wasn't necessarily that there were question marks around Ezekiel Elliott losing two offensive linemen this offseason so you know, I'm kind of with Evan here where I think he's a middle of the first round guy. And if we hear, in fact, that he is suspended for two games, he might be bumped out of the first round where I am where I might be late first round, early second round, because that's a dicey area as it is with like Devonta Freeman, you know, and guys like Amari Cooper around that range. So there are some question marks there. So I think that's where I'd feel comfortable is right that late first round if he is suspended for two games. Amari Cooper in that early second round. I'm not buying that. Um, we'll, we'll move we on. We know your we... take on Amari Cooper, Bobby. Let's talk. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Let's talk about the possibility that I got giddy this morning thinking about it. So Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent after this season. Well, they're talking about a third franchise tag, and there's so many red. There's so much red tape that needs to go around that. But it seems like Kirk Cousins doesn't want to return to the Redskins. I know he's remaining open to it and all that stuff, but. Evan, what do you think about this? The Jacksonville Jaguars have cap room despite the fact that they've, you know, kind of gone and spent a lot of money in free agency seemingly. I don't know if it's just the way the contracts are structured or not, but how about a core of Kirk Cousins, Leonard Fournette, you know, if they re-sign Allen Robinson, maybe not Marquise Lee, you know, just the core of guys. 
What would you in think that of crazy Kirk- good defense? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, like, what would you think if Kirk Cousins made his way to Jacksonville? Do you think that that's a realistic possibility? Uh, I don't know if it's realistic because I don't know, you know, how Tom Coughlin and, and Doug Marone evaluate Kirk Cousins. It seems like there are a lot of NFL evaluators who are kind of down on Kirk Cousins because he doesn't have like an elite skill set. I mean, he doesn't have like a cannon arm. He doesn't have like great athleticism um, coming out of college. And it's funny in the NFL, like college evaluations stick with these guys for so long. And coming out of college, Kirk Cousins had a reputation as a poor decision maker, which he's turned into one of the better quarterback decision makers in the league over the past couple of years, really changed his game under Jay Gruden. Um, but, you know, I don't, it just it's, it seems like there's he's a guy on whom there are many mixed opinions. I would love the fit. You know, the Jaguars also also are going to have to make decisions after this season on Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee. Both of those guys are in contract years. It's funny the only guy that they got long ter- signed long term from that group of receivers is Allen Hearns, who last year was the worst uh, receiver uh, out of those three. So. Um, I, I think that on paper, it makes an awful lot of sense. The Jaguars are, are going to have to make a lot of decisions, including on Blake Bortles and their best two receivers after this season. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with it is their defense is good enough to the point where I don't think they're going to have a I don't even know if they'll have a top 10 draft pick in 2018. And that's why if they don't have that, they may not get one of those top tier cornerbacks in the draft. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was kind of tying them tying that together. San Francisco may want him and they may try and move back. Who knows like kind of what happens here? But I thought it was a fun spitball in that idea definitely you know as a Jaguars fan uh, I'm still a believer in Blake Bortles with that Ooh. being said I, I think Kirk Cousins uh, I know that's uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk about that a little bit more later I mean he was injured all last season um, you know he, he wasn't great when the money was on the line but I still see the skill set there and he's young enough that I think we haven't seen anywhere near the best of him I think he can develop and be uh, a quality player with that being said, I think Kirk Cousins can be a Super Bowl quarterback. Not the kind of guy who's going to carry you there like an Andrew Luck, but I mean, this is, he's better than Joe Flacco. And look what Joe Flacco did with a great team around him. I think the Jaguars are kind of building up that same way. Yeah, well, the Jaguars' defense is legit, and um, you know we saw it towards the second half of last season, and they've continued to build on that with Calais Campbell up front. Like that's a massive signing that I don't think enough people are talking about, and the fact that this defense is going to be legit. Um, so that's why I don't know if they'll have a top ten pick because I I have no faith in Bortles, and that's why I'm talking about Cousins. That's why I'm talking about the 2018 draft because Blake Bortles will not be a starter in the NFL in 2018. I I'll take that to the bank. All right, we can make a bet on that after the show's over. But first, uh, you know, I want to talk about this report from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Matt Vincell suggested that Dalvin Cook could get 300 touches this year <laughs> as a 21-year-old. Evan, are you buying this at all? Uh, it's a lot of touches, and I don't have him projected for that. And uh, in terms of beat writer statistical projections, like that's not what they're here to do. They're not here to give us statistical projections. You know, that's what you know, Mike Clay is, is, is here to do, you know, and Mike Clay is good at that. Beat writers who have journalism degrees and are not hired to do statistical, statistical projections, you know, that's just something that we always take with a major grain of salt. Uh, we, we can't have the takeaway that this beat writer, after seeing the team at OTAs and minicamp, came away believing that Dalvin Cook is probably going to be the Vikings' clear-cut lead back this year, which is what I expect. You know, I think that Latavius Murray is not not really a great fit uh, on, on the Vikings. 
Um, and I think that he is going to, like Dalvin Cook should be able to run circles around Latavius Murray in training camp, who, by the way, might not even be ready for training camp uh, because of ankle surgery that cost him the entire sprint. Um, and then Jarek McKinnon, I think that he has, he potentially could have a solidified role as their receiving back, but Dalvin Cook was a pretty good receiver in his own right at Florida State. So look, a lot of things have to go into getting a, a rookie 300 touches. I mean, you got to have, you know, some pretty good positive game script situations where he's going to have games where he can be fed a lot of carries. He's got to show the ability to play on all three downs and pass protection is always an obstacle that rookie running backs have to deal with. And that's just an, an, an entirely an unknown. And it's really like a, a subjective decision that the coaching staff will make. Um, you know, do we keep this guy on the field in, in all these different situations? Um, and then he's got to stay healthy. So Dalvin Cook, I, I actually like him where he's going in drafts, which is between RB20 and RB30. And that's a pretty wide gap. Um, but that that's he has like uh, stark differences between his ADPs, depending on where you look. Um, so I'm, I'm a fan of him, though. I really like the Vikings schedule. I like the run defense schedule. I was a fan of Dalvin Cook coming out of Florida State for sure, and I'm not too overwhelmed by his competition. So I, I do like Dalvin Cook. Yeah, so like I wanted to, so the 300 touches is like that's a hard number to get to. I only looking at my projections. I have seven running backs who are projected to get 300 touches, and I don't consider him in that territory because if you're getting 300 touches, you are a top 10 NFL running back in fantasy, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Like it's almost like a lock if you get 300 touches that you're going to be there. I only have 13 running backs projected for 250 plus touches, so I'm not buying the whole 300. Is Cook thing. one of them? No, he's definitely not one of them. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't think so. Cook, I have right around the 230 mark. Because, you know, signing Latavius Murray, it was a dumb signing. And I, I, I talked uh, when we talked to Jeff Ratcliffe on the podcast, it was I think it was two weeks ago now. I asked him, I said, if the Vikings could go back and, and, get, and know that they were going to snag Dalvin Cook in the draft, that they were going to trade up and get him, would they have signed Latavius Murray? And I think the answer to that is no. Jeff, I agree. See, Jeff seems to think that they still would have done it because they still needed depth and this and that. I think there's plenty of other running backs out there that you could have snagged for depth. I mean, they could have grabbed LeGarrett Blunt if they wanted to. He went really cheap. He lasted in free agency for a long time. Jarek McKinnon I don't. I really don't know why they wouldn't try and even at least trade this kid away because if they're not going to use him at all, and you know the offensive line question marks. It, it was bad up middle. I know they got two new tackles now on the team, and it's it's still it, with an offensive line with run blocking. There's a lot of continuity that goes into it. That's why when you see an offensive line returning with five offensive linemen up front, it's a plus for that running back because these guys know each other. They know you know if they have assignments, they know what the other guy can do or what he can't do. Minnesota is still going to take time. I know they've, they're trying to make improvements up there, and I think that they did. But at the same time, we're talking about a rookie running back with on the roster with Latavius Murray, who's probably going to be the Matt Asiata of that. Jarek McKinnon's going to see some third down work. So I thought I was being rather bullish by saying that Dalvin Cook was going to see 230 touches. But, you know, with while hearing this, I, I think it's fair. Uh, I was told, Evan, have you heard anything that they're trying? They changed their scheme like to his own scheme to work with Dalvin Cook. Is that what they're doing? Uh, the, the writers have not written extensively about that. You know, the, 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 the people covering the team have not written big articles about that. And that's something that I think that will be discussed a little bit more in training camp. But yeah, mm -hmm. I know that there has been some, some talk of them trying to become more of a zone running team. And Dalvin Cook, when you watched him at Florida State, I mean, he looked like the perfect one cut downhill zone runner. 
Well, it's curious. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be neat to see how it all plays out. But again, with Latavius Murray there, I, I just can't see with how much money they're paying him. They, they paid him a stupid amount of money, and he wasn't worth it to begin with. It was a dumb signing then, and it's even yeah. dumber now. Like I just, I don't, yeah. I don't understand it. But I, at the same time, I, as a franchise, I don't know if they can just say that they're wrong already and just write it off. I think that he is going to have a role, and for that reason, Dalvin Cook is going to be in that timeshare category with guys like maybe like Paul Perkins, like Amir Abdullah. Like I think that's the area that he belongs in. So, guys, the uh, the last piece of news that I want to talk about: Deontay Foreman, uh, the backup running back for the Houston Texans, was uh. arrested over the weekend. I came away extremely unimpressed by his film, but I know other experts have been raving about him. Do you think he's still draftable even with the news tags? I don't, unfortunately. I mean, this is, it's a sad thing because, you know, like ESPN, I think it was, did this big special on him and, you know, the loss of his daughter and all that. And it's a heartbreaking story and you, you wanted to root for him, but then you hear this stuff and you're just like, come on, man, like be better than that. And I understand, you know, supposedly it was a, it was a, a gun that was registered to him. Supposedly it was other people that he was hanging around that had weed on them and stuff like that. But put yourself in a better position. I mean, Evan, this is, this is on him, right? Yeah. He also showed up to uh, Texans rookie minicamp so out of shape that they had to put him on an exercise bike and even practice. Yeah. That's, that's a shame. So, I mean, some guys just don't want it enough. You know, and that could be the case here. It's also the case that he's a, I mean, he's a very, he's like an abnormally young rookie. He's like younger than, much younger than the average rookie. And he's just, you know, a young kid making mistakes. But Mm -hmm. it it definitely puts him in a spot where Bill O'Brien is going to be upset with him. And, you know, at the very least. And then he's going to have to go to camp and outplay Alfred Blue. I mean, I don't think any of us really think a whole lot of Alfred Blue, but Alfred Blue has been in the system for multiple years. And he's a guy that the Texans can trust and have shown a willingness to give the ball to, you know, 15, 20 carries in in, in a certain game. And are they going to trust Dante Foreman as someone now that they – that they can do that with, you know, it's just, it, he, I think that he was, I don't know, people were excited about him, but he's a really, really raw guy who has to learn how to play in the passing game essentially from scratch. And, um, he's, you know, it's, it it could be like Jalen strong with the Texans a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago. He, you know, he, uh, showed up to camp, uh, or he showed up to rookie minicamp out of shape. He got in a little bit of trouble, and we just didn't hear from him the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he flashed a little bit too, Jalen Strong. I haven't heard that name in a while, but he's someone that I actually liked. When you saw him on the field, he was actually solid in the red zone, so it was uh, it was sad to see it. But either way, it's just it's sad to hear this stuff. And, you know, Evan mentioned it. These are kids. Like, sometimes we forget that. And, you know, when you're 20 years old, when I was 20 years old, I know I didn't make some of the best decisions either. So I, I do try and keep that in mind. But, you know, you have to surround yourself with better people. I think that that, you know, when you see these headlines and stuff like that, someone like him, you know, you'd think he'd know better than that. So uh, to answer your question, no, Bobby, I don't think he's draftable right now and i didn't answer he was, and to but... answer a follow-up question to that no alfred blue is not someone you should draft <laughs> great yep <laughs> so we're gonna hop over and talk about adp here in a moment but first i want to step back and tell you about one of the sponsors of today's show rtsports.com real-time fantasy sports has everything you're looking for in fantasy football this year they have award-winning commissioner services with fully customizable leagues a killer app and perhaps most exciting are their best ball and actively managed leagues They're also a legal operator in New York, Missouri, Colorado, and most states. So if you're bumming about missing out on all the action, you can likely still play at rtsports.com slash pros. They've paid out millions to winners. Again, that's rtsports.com slash pros. And please be sure to type pros so they know we sent you. 
Okay, guys, so let's start here at running back, and the one that stands out to me here for ADP, Tevin Coleman is currently being drafted as the number 24 running back. Kyle Shanahan's gone, and Derrick Henry's at number 34. What's the difference between these two? <laughs> I, Evan, I'm curious because I, I've, this is something I brought up on a show, I think, a couple weeks ago. I don't think there's much of a difference between these two running backs, so I, what's your take between Tevin Coleman and Derrick Henry right now? Uh, I think that we can count on a little bit more standalone value for Tevin Coleman, uh, and that uh, explains what the ADP gap. However, it's a pretty big ADP gap. You know, again, most of the, most if not all of the drafts that I've done so far to this point are best ball drafts, and so I really like Tevin Coleman in best ball because you know you're going to get week to week usage from him, and then he has big playability, and then he becomes a league winner in the event that Devontae Freeman something happens to Devontae yeah. Freeman, you know. So I, I like when you can get Tevin Coleman around that. 512 6.01 turn uh, in a best ball league. I'm not going to be on him in redraft seasonal if his ADP stay, stays in this same range because he's just he's just a flex play in you know or, or a, a low end RB2 and he's got some serious touchdown regression that's going to mm-hmm. hit him this year uh, unless he catches some sort of great break in terms of opportunity. I think he had 11 touchdowns last year all purpose as you know as a part-time player and um, I remember there was a game I want to say it was a Thursday night or a, a Monday night game against the the, uh, the Saints last year and he had like three touchdowns and mm-hmm. everybody thought he was like the goal line back Devonta Freeman goes on to just dominate the red zone usage the rest of the way Devonta Freeman's the, the the favorite for for goal line usage there and they will use Tevin Coleman I think in that capacity uh, but for me he's just a much better best ball pick than uh, redraft and not really yeah. someone that I'm going to be trying to add to my redraft seasonal rosters and Derrick Henry is similar but I don't know how much standalone usage we are going to get from him behind DeMarco Murray who the coaching staff there really supports as their bell cow back. And let me ask you this Evan whose ceiling among the two is higher like, let's say DeMarco Murray goes down uh, Devontae Freeman goes down. Would you rather have Derrick Henry as a starting running back or Tevin Coleman as a starting running back? That's a really good question. They're both in really good offenses behind really good offensive lines. Yeah. Derrick Henry looks the part more of like a bell cow, you know, 25 carry workhorse. And he gets to play with the dual threat quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Uh, and then Tevin Coleman is just like the big play. You know, he, he I mean, he could have a lot of highlight, re, highlight reel runs. Uh, if we see him in the opportunity to get 20 touches a game, that's a really, really tough one. I think I would leave te- lead te- Tevin Coleman, but man, I, I wouldn't argue too hard against Derrick Henry. Yeah. So for me, so here's the thing with Tevin Coleman. Here's my issue with him is he put and by the way, he put on like 10 or 15 pounds this offseason uh, to bulk up. I don't know why he would do that in the role that he's in. You know, with Kyle Shanahan leaving Kyle Shanahan with his whole two back system and this and that. I do think that the, the running backs are obviously going to regress both of them in terms of touchdowns. That's just going to happen uh, going to, you know, a first year offensive coordinator in the NFL. But Tevin Coleman, they're making it a point to re-sign Devonta Freeman. They, they've made it a point. They say, we're going to get a deal done with him. It's just a matter of time. And so for me, it's kind of putting Tevin Coleman on the back burner. As the year went on in 2016, we saw the Falcons start to trust Devonta Freeman more and realize who the better running back was. It was an ongoing debate on Twitter. Who's the better running back? And I was always Team Freeman. I, I remain Team Freeman. I think Coleman, is a, he, he was the big play guy. So to see him put on some weight, it doesn't make me very happy. Uh, in terms of Derrick Henry... 
the reason I, th- I consider these two the same is Derrick Henry, as the season went on, his role grew. DeMarco Murray really struggled over the final six games of the season. Derrick Henry kind of took off over, over that same period, scoring touchdowns, getting a lot of the goal line carries. He's not going to get the passing down work that Tevin Coleman does. We know that. But I think Derrick Henry is a much better running back. And so for me, I'm betting on that talent. And, you know, when we talk about the difference in ADP, Tevin Coleman at 24, Derrick Henry at 34, I view them in the same territory. I do believe that they both have league winning upside if the starter goes down. But I'm betting on the better running back here. And I think that's Derrick Henry. You know, we can't forget Devonta Freeman is, is still in the prime of his career. DeMarco Murray is not. No running back since 2013 yeah. has had more carries on his frame than DeMarco Murray. If, we, if nobody's remembering, before last season, DeMarco Murray was considered like a fragile running back. He was always getting hurt. He's now 29 years old. You know, this team is moving forward. Uh, they're getting younger. They, do, they both have stout off- offensive lines, but I just never understood... Tevin Coleman going as a top 24 running back. I wouldn't take Derrick Henry there. I wouldn't take Tevin Coleman there. Now, the running backs uh, that I want to move on to here next, Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson for, for the Saints. Evan, I know you do a lot of projection work, and Tags, you put yours together as well. I'm curious where you have these guys right now for touches, because Mark Ingram's being drafted number 19. Adrian Peterson's all the way down at 25. Uh, you can go ahead and take this one first, Tags. I'm going uh, to pull up my thing. Yeah, for sure. No, so me, when the offseason started, I was really torn on this because Adrian Peterson, a lot of people were writing him off. I wasn't willing to write off Adrian Peterson just yet. You know, he's one of those guys that continues to prove people wrong. He continues. He comes to Saints camp. They're talking him up. And it's not just a regular like, wow, Adrian Peterson's really progressing. No, they said Adrian Peterson is a freak. Like when you see this guy in the field, like, you know, Adrian Peterson's on the field. And the thing is, People are trying to say it's either him or Mark Ingram. That's where my issue lies. I don't think it is either him or Mark Ingram. I think it can be both. I actually went and looked back at the second half of last year. Mark Ingram from weeks 10 through week 17, Mark Ingram was the number eight running back and Tim Hightower was the number 20 running back. If you're trying to tell me wow. that if you're trying to tell me that Adrian Peterson cannot be Tim Hightower improved, I think you're wrong. And I th- I don't think that you have to necessarily lower Mark Ingram down your draft board just because Adrian Peterson there. I think that they have different roles in this team. And Mark Ingram, I have actually, I think he's, the weird part is I have him right at number 19 in my projections. And he's been, his ADP says 19, but I never see him drafted there. He's always going in that RB 24 to 25 range where nobody seems to want to grab him, which is why I have yeah. a lot of Mark Ingram. As far as Adrian Peterson, he's someone, you know, this, this show that we're doing is supposed to be like an ADP price check. Adrian Peterson is someone that I see drafted higher and higher, and I think as the you know the the casual fan joins the the fantasy circus in August, I think we're going to continue to see Adrian Peterson's ADP rise. It's a with, great point with all the hype that we have with people, the nostalgia with Adrian Peterson. But to be fair, I think Adrian Peterson. My brother asked me about this the other day. He's like, "What's your take on Peterson?" And I told him that I think that he's an improved version of Tim Hightower. And with that being said, he's going to be a little touchdown reliant, but. The loss of Teron Armstead up front at left tackle cannot be understated here. He's a, he's a fantastic like pass-blocking left tackle. With him going down and potentially missing the entire season, the Saints are going to have to run the ball more than they, than they have in years past, and I think that they were already bracing for that with that addition of Peterson, with Kamara drafting him. So... For me, I think that there's plenty to go around here. I think I think Adrian Peterson is a low-end RB2, high-end flex with upside for more. And I think that Mark Ingram is being undervalued as a strong RB2. I just can't see a scenario where Adrian Peterson, if he's healthy, 
is not as good or better than Mark Ingram because he's just always been that type of player when he's healthy. But Mark Ingram's always been undervalued too. Like people forget that as Mark Ingram's been better than people think when he's healthy, when he's on the field, he caught more passes last year. And I think that's what he's moving in towards. Like he's going to see a lot more third down work than Adrian Peterson. I know Peterson, he said he wants to catch so many passes and this and that, but I'm not really buying that. He's never been a hands guy. So uh, Evan, what's your take on this Mark Ingram, Adrian Peterson debate? Yeah, I have Mark Ingram at 220 touches and Adrian Peterson at 200. And I think that that is conservative. Uh, The edge really comes in for Ingram as a pass catcher. I mean, Ingram has Mm -hmm. been top 15 in the NFL among running backs in receptions in consecutive years, has at least 45 each of the past two seasons. The Teron Armstead injury does sting. Keep in mind that Teron Armstead only played about 35% of the Saints snaps. Last year, he was injured and they still had, uh, according to Football Outsiders, the number one run blocking line in terms of adjusted mm. line yards last season. They were top wow. five in, uh, no, I'm sorry, they were number eight in yards created per attempt before contact, according to Pro Football Focus. So they had an elite run blocking line uh, last year, even with Armstead missing uh, almost 70% of the season. And then this year, they used a first round pick on Ryan Ramchek, who obviously is a total unknown. Uh, He's coming off his own injury. He had hip surgery uh, before the draft. Uh, But at least they have that insurance policy in Ryan Ramchek. Uh, I really like both. I'm I'm right there with tags. I I think that if you can get Mark Ingram in the sixth round and Adrian Peterson in the seventh round, you know, that's I would be willing to take both. And I know that people Mm -hmm. view that as like Russian roulette. I don't know who I'm going to be able to play every week. Ah, You know, start them both every week. They're both startable. It's just I mean, did you have a problem last year starting Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman on the same team? (laughs) No, last year. No, you are getting very good running backs um, in all likelihood. Very good running backs um, based on their track records. I mean, Mark Ingram was well above five yards per carry last season. Can play in the passing game. Adrian Peterson, I know he was hurt. And, you know, again, everyone wants to write him off this year. He also led the NFL in rushing uh, the last time we saw him play in, in an extensive yeah. sample. So you're getting two, in all likelihood, very good running backs in a great offense behind a great offensive line um, with great quarterback play that's going to score a ton of points. I mean, and then – they're both going to be usable every week, number one. Number two, if one of them gets hurt, then the other dude helps you win your league and you got him mm-hmm. in the sixth or the seventh round. For I, sure. I really a great point. don't think that it is that, like, it's not that difficult. You know, you're making fantasy more difficult than it should be if you're saying, I can't take these guys in the sixth and seventh rounds after I've essentially filled, filled out most of my starting roster, you know, with my first five picks. I can't take these guys in the sixth and seventh round because I don't know who I'm going to start each week. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so real quick, Evan, before we move on to wide receivers here, you're on you're on the clock in your redraft league and Tevin Coleman, Adrian Peterson and Derrick Henry on the board. Which one are you taking? Um, you know, if I'm trying to play the ADP game, I mean, all right, we're, we're, what kind of format are we are we talking? A about? standard format. Just those three are on the board. You're not going to have a pick next round. This is just one pick scenario. Forget ADP. We're just going to mm-hmm. say Adrian okay. Peterson, Tevin Coleman, or Derrick Henry. Uh, it would be between Tevin Coleman and Adrian Peterson. This is standard non-PPR, is that right? Yep, yep. Okay, Adrian Peterson. I'm with you. Same. Wow, interesting. Uh, actually, before we move on to wide receiver, I wanted to ask you all about Matt Forte before we uh, before we move on because we haven't talked about him all season. 
he's kind of been forgotten. I mean, he used to get 1,400, 1,500 yards every single season. He's almost always healthy. Last year was the one exception. I know Powell's there. But Forte's being drafted at number 41 right now. Are we maybe underthinking what his potential could be? I think we're underthinking it a little bit. Um, I, I, you know, I've been getting him in MFL 10s now. He's falling into the RB 40 range, which is I'm more than happy to take him there because they're going to use him. They would have cut him otherwise. You know, we've seen this. And uh, who was it that came out? Uh, was it Ardarius Stewart or was it Quincy Anunua? I think it was Anunua that came out and said it's hard to defend the fact that the Jets aren't tanking this year. Um, that's not going to go over well with the coaches or the GM. But, uh, you know, for me with Forte, it's weird because the reason I, I don't like him very much is because the Jets last year appeared to want to use him on first and second down as the bell cow, the goal line back, and they wanted to use Bilal Powell on third down. And then, you know, Forte broke down a little bit as the year went on. Bilal Powell got a bigger role, and there was no running back in fantasy football outside of Le'Veon Bell, who scored more fantasy points than Bilal Powell in the last four weeks of the season. So, you know, Bilal Powell ran with the role. Bilal Powell is not a young He's not a young cat by any means. You know, he's, I think, 29 years old as well. So Matt Forte, he never was, you know, Evan from Chicago. We could see all these Bears games, and I've seen Matt Forte. I've watched every game of his career. Matt Forte is not an elite running back in terms of carrying the football. He's a he's an average running back running the football. He's got solid vision, but he doesn't have the speed, like the burst to hit a hole that, you know, some of these guys do. So Forte being used there he was always an elite level wide receiver. Like he was, you could use, you could line him up in the slot. You could line him up on the perimeter if you wanted to. You can catch passes out of the backfield. There was so much he could do there. So the fact that he's not being used in that role, it limits his upside for me. I don't think the Jets have very many scoring opportunities this year, which limit his scoring opportunities as well. He doesn't have big playability. So for me, Forte is a, a flex play probably. Uh, but at the same time, if he falls down there right now, his ADP is number 41. I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's a, that's an area where I'd probably take him if I'm looking to occupy, like, you know, say I went zero running back and I'm trying to mix and match all these running backs and trying to, to pick my matchups. That's probably when I would take Forte. Yeah. Okay, guys, before we move on, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about a website that's going to make your fantasy football life a lot easier this season teamstake.com. If you're tired of hassling family and friends for league dues, teamstake.com makes it super easy and convenient for you. They have a fully customizable pay-in and pay-out options. The site's super easy to navigate, and best of all, it's free. Please check out teamstake.com. I used them last year for all my leagues, and I couldn't be more pleased. Okay, guys, let's move on over to wide receiver. And the first one I want to talk about is Golden Tate. I actually just released an article uh, talking about a heavy running back strategy, did a mock draft for that. And uh, one of the players I wanted to target in there was Golden Tate. And the reason why, here's the list of players with at least 90 receptions in three straight seasons. Demaryius Thomas, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and Golden Tate. So Mm -hmm. is Golden Tate being drafted way too low? That's what I'm thinking right now. He's going number 24 among wide receivers, six behind Jarvis Landry. Um, He is, yeah, he's part of like a really big cluster there um, that are like, I think they're all good picks. Um, You know, Jarvis Landry's in there. Uh, Willie Sneed and Jamison Crowder a little bit lower. Crabtree's in in there. Um, I mean, I think he's a really good pick. You know, I I never feel bad even taking Golden Tate like in the fourth round of a PPR league. Never feel bad, you know, taking him there. He has more red zone opportunity. I know that everybody associates the departure of Anquan Bolden with Eric Ebron. And I certainly have talked about it in that light myself. But, you know, Anquan Bolden had 22 red zone targets last year. That is a lot. You know, they Mm -hmm. were proactively calling plays for Anquan Bolden in scoring position last year. 
I think he was also among the leader league leaders and targets inside the 10 yard line um, and inside the five. I mean, they were feeding him the ball in scoring position and he, it doesn't look like he's coming back at this point. I do think he's going to end up on a roster at some point, but I don't, it doesn't look like it's going to be the lions, especially after how much they talked up Kenny Galladay uh, in the spring. Golden Tate is just a really high floor pick and where he would have to derive his upside because I think he's going to catch 90 balls. I don't think that he's going to get to like 110 catch range or anything like that. Um, I think that we're going to see a little bit better Marvin Jones this year. I think we'll see a little bit better Eric Ebron this year. But where his, his upside would come into play is if he scored a bunch of touchdowns. And with Anquan Bolden gone, I mean, that that possibility is now on the table for Golden Tate. Um, You know, can he be like an eight or nine touchdown receiver? That's a lot for Golden Tate. But for him to really smash, I think that that's what he'd need to do. I think he's going to be in that 90 90 to 100 catch range. I think his his A dot's going to remain low. He's going to play more slot receiver. He's probably going to, you know, only average 10, 11, 12 yards yards per reception this year. Um, but I think that he, there is a chance for him to smash and that would be via scoring more touchdowns. For sure. I have Golden Tate actually one spot higher than Jarvis Landry. And you know, what's funny is like when I was going through the ADP, there's three guys that I bunched together and you mentioned Jarvis Landry, one other player that I want to throw in that bunch Evan, And I know that you feel, I think it was, you said like the wide receiver 13 through wide receiver 32 feel like they could be like intertwined. Uh, And it's kind of true, but at the same time, I want to know why Stefan Diggs is not part of that conversation. Stefan Diggs is being drafted as the wide receiver 32. I'd argue that he has more upside than both of those receivers. I think Golden Tate's the safe one. I think he's actually the one that I have ranked the highest. But then from there, I think Jarvis Landry and Stefan Diggs are in the same territory. So when we're talking about ADP, I think it's fair to say Diggs is by far the best value at 32 uh, because many people have kind of written him off. And Evan, I know that you were, I want to say that you you were one of the people that were with me on Diggs in terms of when he played hurt last year, he wasn't the same player. I I just wrote up a player profile. It's probably gonna come out next week. Uh, But Stefan Diggs was the number 14 wide receiver in PPR on a points per game basis last year, despite playing hurt through majority of the season. But in games where he was off the injury report, there was uh, seven games where he was off the injury report. I want to say he averaged like 19.2 PPR points per game. Oh man. It was like 7.2 points per game when he was on the injury report. He's obviously got rapport with Sam Bradford. You know, those two meshed. I think it was a 75% catch rate. There was only like three wide receivers who had a better catch rate than Stephon Diggs. He operates over the middle of the field. And keep in mind that number 14 wide receiver on a PPR point per game basis was while Adam Thielen was finishing as a top 30 wide receiver. It was while, you know, uh, Kyle Rudolph finished with the most targets among tight ends. Corderell yeah. Patterson saw 80-something targets or 70-something targets. So there was a lot going on there. I know they want to run the ball a little bit more, but I just don't think that the offensive line is built for that. I think Stephon Diggs is a strong, like a strong play at number 32. I think that that actually his fantasy floor is the wide receiver 32. And I think we could be talking about Stephon Diggs this time next year at the same area where Jarvis Landry has been going the last couple of years. Absolutely. I'm in agreement. Where, where do you stand on Stefan Diggs, Evan? Yeah, I love him. I mean, he's he's gotten to the point where he's one of my highest owned receivers this offseason. He missed three games last year, but mm-hmm. he was on a, a, a pace for almost 104 catches. And after, and although Stefan Diggs, he really wasn't healthy from week four onward. Um, and, but even, but when Pat Shermer be, took over as the OC on November mm-hmm. 2nd after Norv Turner resigned, they immediately made the offense like revolve around Stefan Diggs. I mean, they're, 
whole strategy was to get the ball out of Sam Bradford's hands quickly to uh, diminish the ability of the opposing pass rush getting to Sam Bradford because their offensive line was so bad. And Stefan Diggs just filled it up mm-hmm. with targets. And he admitted after the season that he let himself get out of shape and that contributed to some of his injuries. And I actually thought that that was admirable from a 23-year-old dude who just had mm-hmm. a pretty explosive and you know, dynamic and, you know, headline grabbing season that he was able to step outside himself and say, listen, I did not take good enough care of myself. You know, I'm still learning about this. This was my second NFL season. And he, I think he could really, really explode. He's already one of the best route runners in the game. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he is. And that's the thing that's underrated is like people could compare him to Antonio Brown in terms of a, a not, not such a big wide receiver, but a fantastic route runner. My only concern is his lack of touchdown upside. You know, during his career, he's only got seven touchdowns on 196 targets at this point. His, uh, I, I took a look at that when I was doing his player profile yesterday is that he averaged last year 2.40 yards per route run from the perimeter while from the slot it was 1.61 yards so his yardage is likely to be you know it's going to be the lower yards per reception that's why I compared it to like a Jarvis Landry but I do think that he's more explosive in terms of he can be used in a lot of different ways I don't think he should be exclusive to the slot but Pat Shermer you mentioned you know when he came in Shermer used him 73% of the slot once he took over, which is a, wow. a, it's a big chunk and it's going to limit, you know, his ability for the big play like that. So I want to see him use a little bit more on the perimeter and two wide sets with Adam Thielen. And then when they go three wide with Laquan Treadwell, they can kick him into the slot and that can really work out. I think that I think when when teams start to move a wide receiver like him into the slot, they can create mismatches all over the place. And it's a smart thing to do. But at the same time, I do want to see Stefan Diggs used in, in more than just an exclusive slot role, because I think he's a better receiver than Jarvis Landry. Yeah, you guys know who else was on pace for 85 receptions before he got hurt in week four for the rest of the season? Kevin White, <sighs> ADP number 55. Evan, I'm going to let you take this one. Uh, I'm not saying he's the Kevin same White? as Stefan Diggs. I'm just saying he's being underdrafted right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, he actually has reached me in a couple of drafts, and I, I thought about it, you know. <laughs> and I mean, every year there are every year there are like there are blind spots for players where I'm just totally I'm like I, I become close minded, uh, uh, you know, re- regarding players. Um, I've been a little, I think I've been a little bit close. I've definitely been close minded on on Kevin White, like, um, and I have also been a little bit too close minded. I think like I'm just trying to step back and you know, just examine what my weak spots are. I've been a little too close-minded, I think, on Eli Manning, perhaps. Yeah. But Kevin White is definitely one of those guys. And, you know, where it's like it's the 14th, 15th round, and I'm still, you know, wanting to take like J.J. Nelson over him or, you know, uh, Julius Thomas or, or something like that or C.J. Fedorowicz. And I'm just – I don't want any part of Kevin White. At the same time, man, they force-fed him the rock in his four games last year. And they have incentive. I mean, he was getting more targets than Kevin White. And they have incentive to try to make him work and put him in and just give him the best possible opportunities because they spent that number seven overall pick on him. And pretty soon, Ryan Pace, their GM, is going to have to go to ownership and like explain to them what the heck has been happening for the last three or four years because there hasn't been a lot of good. And at, after the after the season, he's going to want to show – you know, the ownership that, hey, you know, we, we got something out of Kevin White finally. You know, Mitchell Trubisky, he played late in the season. He showed us some promise. He looked good in the preseason, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, it's it's already to that point where there's like a rift between uh, Ryan Pace and John Fox. And pretty soon they're going to be making arguments 
to keep their job. I mean, that's that's the state that the Bears are in, and they have incentive to try to make it work and do things, try to force it with Kevin White. And that, that concerns me a little bit about Cameron Meredith. Yeah. Um, and then, but I, you know, I've been very, very close-minded on Kevin White, and I would be, you know, he's, he's going to be a blind spot for me this year. If he has a big year, he's totally in my blind spot. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I could have said it better than that. Um, in terms of John Fox, Ryan Pace, I think John Fox is on his way out. Uh, I don't think that he's the coach of the Chicago Bears next year. And uh, Ryan, pa- Ryan Pace isn't going to go anywhere until we find out what's going on with Trubisky. And, and the fact, if, if he is the franchise quarterback and this and that, I love John Fox came- just can't win without Tim Tebow. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, <laughs> he's a sub 500 <laughs> coach without Peyton Manning. I don't even need to talk about John Fox very yeah. much. But I, I do want to cover a couple more players before we, we get Evan out of here because I, I know we're running out of time here. But um, let's go to do you want to? Let's talk about some quarterbacks. Um, Evan, I'm not sure. I know that you used to be. Now, I I know you used to be a Cam Newton guy, but I'm going to lay out an argument here as to why Cam Newton, I've I've talked about it in the fact that I don't even know if he's going to be considered a top 10 quarterback in terms of even for franchises in three years. And the reason I say this is because after his concussion last year, he played 11 games. In those 11 games, his 16-game pace was 308 rushing yards and four touchdowns. That's comparable to Blake Bortles, who ran for 359 yards and three touchdowns, okay? And after the season... Ron Rivera came out and said, we need to run Newton less. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And everything they've done this offseason by extending Jonathan Stewart, signing Christian McCaffrey, getting you know former running back uh, Curtis Samuel on the roster, all these things lead to saying, okay, Cam's not going to run as much. I'm not going to say that he won't run at all. but let, So we, we've established that his rushing ceiling is not what it once was. Newton's average season as a passer... 3,600 yards, 22.7 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. That's including his 2015 season that included a 7.1% touchdown rate. That's worse than Blake Bortles. So, so, hold on. I'm getting to that. So, his closest career comp as a passer from 2016 was... Blake Bortles, who averages, who had 3,900 yards, 23 touchdowns, 16 picks. So, here's my thing. The Panthers did everything to take away rushing ability from Newton. Yes, they grabbed McCaffrey, who's an excellent pass catcher. Like, we've talked about that on the show. He's going to be phenomenal in that role. But they also subtracted Ted Ginn, who has been his most efficient wide receiver over the last two seasons. So, you know, there there are questions about the passing options in this offense, you know, whether it be Calvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, whatever. The fact that they want to run more. Cam Newton just had literally his legs taken away from him, and that was what he had going for him as a quarterback. I don't think that it can be disagreed that Cam Newton is not a a top 10 passer in this league. So if you take away his legs, what's the argument for Cam Newton as somebody that you would want on your fantasy team in general? Well, I definitely agree. Well, I mean, it's just that it's just that he's Cam Newton and he's shown historical monster upside. And I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm just answering your question and even saying that I necessarily support that. He is at a career crossroads, you know, mm-hmm. and it you, you can't deny it. Like it is evident in the decisions that the Panthers made this offseason. I mean, for years, their goal was to bring in big receivers to minimize the weaknesses of Cam Newton's downfield accuracy and give him better ca- catch radiuses to work with. That's why they had Greg. That's why they, they had Greg Olson and Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches, you know. Three tight ends, essentially. Yeah. And now they are totally changing course because that didn't work. You know, having Cam drop back into five and seven step drops and hold the ball and, you know, throw it downfield to Kelvin Benjamin or Greg Olson 
I mean, it works sometimes, but it, it doesn't work enough that Cam Newton takes ends up taking way too many hits. And especially when you have offensive line weaknesses and you have just the running and playmaking mentality of Cam Newton, who if those guys aren't open and those guys don't get open very often, then he's going to take off and run and that's going to lead to even more hits. So their goal now they, they're putting him at a crossroads. Their goal now is to play a different style of offense mm-hmm. and to get the ball out of his hands quickly and to kind of try to foster that, you know, being the Drew Brees type of quarterback who will go through his progressions. And if the guys aren't open, you know, dump to McCaffrey, dump to Samuel, you know. McCaffrey's like perfect Brees. for that. Yeah. Oh, he, he absolutely is. It's just is Cam Newton going to be able to execute? Because he mm-hmm. he hasn't, not only has he, I mean, he hasn't ever been a, an accurate thrower, and that it includes in the short range on short distance throws. So we're, I don't know. I mean, we're going to learn a lot about Cam Newton this year. It could be, if it works out, I mean, Cam Newton could crush, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he can still score at the goal line. I mean, he's the best short yardage runner in football. And so, you know, if he can if he can have a big year as a passer and limit the amount of he's also very streaky. Like you will yes. notice early in games that if he takes a couple of hits, he just has this like dazed look like he's going through the motions the rest of the game. But I mean, there will be games where he gets rolling early in the game and he'll just he'll destroy Crush. it, man. You yeah. know? And he's so like he he's kind of a roller coaster. I think I mean I think that they know this about him and that's why they're mm-hmm. that's why they're trying to change the way that they play. Yeah, it's confidence and that's the thing. So it's yes. funny, my wife, one of the things that she picks up on when she watches Cam Newton, it's, it, it, I always thought it, and it's just I never had anybody to talk with about it, but she's like, he rides solely on confidence. Like, if he doesn't mm-hmm. have his confidence, he's shot. He's done. Like, forget him. Like, don't even forget it. So if he's on a cold streak, you, you better wait for a really good matchup. And I know this year, they have a fantastic schedule. Like, you look at it, and it's, it's phenomenal. It's the opposite of Phillip Rivers. So... He has that going for him, but my concern is just that he just doesn't have what it takes to be a passer in the NFL. And, you know, he should have been great. I mean, like, you know, what we saw in 2015, that MVP season was, it was a dominant level performance. It was like the LeBron James of the NFL, where it's like the size speed combo, you know, and he was throwing touchdowns at an incredible clip. That stuff was insane to watch. And, you know, we've seen that for a year, but everything else, that was the outlier, right? Everything else tells us that his fantasy points came from his rushing ability because his, you know, his yards per attempt has come down. He hasn't thrown for more than 3,800 yards since his rookie season. You know, uh, his accuracy was crap. And I know a lot of people talked about his shoulder and the surgery he had to have done, but that didn't happen until week 14. His accuracy completion percentage was horrible before then, so... It wasn't solely on that. So, uh, yeah, that's just, yeah. Uh, Bobby, is there anybody else? I, I know I yeah, there's up a quarterback Newton, I, I got to yeah. ask Evan about. Um, uh, you brought him up, Tags, so I'm sorry I'm doing this. But Blake Bortles has been a top-nine quarterback each of the past two seasons. He's being drafted behind Deshaun Watson right now as the number 22 quarterback. What gives here, Evan? Well, that's that's dumb. Yeah, Evan, we're please tell him that Bortles is not a quarterback. <laughs> He might not I mean, be a quarterback, but he is good in fantasy football. He runs the ball, man. He has been he has been pretty good in fantasy football. Um, but I think that a lot of that is due to uh, playing on a team that is always playing from behind. And now this defense is going to take another step this year. And it's also been from sheer volume. You mentioned he does have a lot of rushing attempts. He also has finished 
uh, the last two seasons, 12th and 4th in the NFL in pass attempts. Yeah. And the, ja- and the Jaguars during that span have finished 30th and 24th in rushing attempts. I mean, that's going to, that should, you know, if they, if things go like they want things to go, those, those two things are going to be flipped on their heads. Won't it so also ball- help though that defenses won't be in nickel and dime packages against the Jaguars anymore? Uh, sure. To some extent. I mean, I think that you can, you can keep them in nickel and dime packages by playing three receiver sets. And so they, they have to keep a third corner out there instead of a linebacker. Um, but yeah, but I mean, if, yeah, I mean, if they're going to play like two receiver sets and, you know, have a fullback in there with Leonard Fournette, then they're definitely gonna be running against a lot of base defenses. But, uh, yeah, I think that I, what, what concerns me as well is that Blake Bortles is another guy whose confidence was shot last year and to even a much greater extent than Cam Newton. Um, he forced the NFL second highest rate of passes into tight coverage. Last year, he was dead last in pro football focuses, deep ball passer rating and deep ball accuracy after he was fifth and seventh in those statistics last year. Uh, In November, Blake Bortles told Rich Gannon that he admitted to Rich Gannon that he is not a natural thrower of the football. And then Gannon after that said, I've never even heard a quarterback say that at any level. Of the game. Like a, a quarterback admitting, you know, I'm just I'm not a natural thrower of the football. Like he read that somewhere or some coach told him that and that like has stuck on stuck in his craw. And then when he goes through tough times, he's like, well, I just you know, I don't have the ability to do that. Um, that he, sucks. In his career, Blake Bortles has thrown seven touchdowns in the first quarter of games. He's thrown 45 touchdowns in the second half, including 29 in the fourth quarter. So seven career touchdown passes in the first quarter, 29 career in the fourth quarter. You know, I and I mean, I'm not you know, I I actually do draft Blake Bortles sometimes when he gets to the the right spot. You know, I, I will take him as my quarterback two or my quarterback three. Like you mentioned, he's he's a good athlete. And he has had big games as a passer before. I mean, he's got playmakers around him in the receiver core, um, but he's not—he's not someone that I'm like, oh yeah, man, this guy's—you know—people are really missing the boat on this guy because. Okay. I mean, and I, I also kind of worry about his job security. If things do go south with Blake Bortles, you know, will we see Chad Henney or the kid Brandon Allen? Apparently, they really like. The kid Brandon Allen, uh, I think he played at Arkansas a couple of years ago. I think they really like him uh, just based on like, you know, listening to uh, the beat writers there in Jacksonville. Yeah, they should be on three wide receiver sets a lot of the time because they really don't have much, you know, at the tight end position. They should be having a tight end staying in the block. And that's one of the areas I think they'll address next year's draft is I was really I'm, I'm kind of puzzled the fact they didn't really add a tight end because they they didn't really replace Julius Thomas. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you can really I don't know if you really have to replace Julius Thomas production, but <laughs> no, no, but, no, you uh, don't. but yeah, I think they should be in a lot of three wide sets with, um, you know, Alan Robinson, Marquise Lee, Alan Hearns or even Day Day Robinson or Day Day Westbrook if they figure out how to use him. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I'm with Evan, though. I'm Bortles is uh, he's a game script dependent quarterback. And with the defense getting as good as it is, I you don't want to bet on him. So before we end the show, guys, I I am really eager to pick Evan's brain about one player. Um, before we started recording the show, I was actually reading an article, which I expected to hate, about why Rob Gronkowski should actually be regarded as our first-round value tags. I know this made you vomit, um, <laughs> but he's been a first-round value two of the past three seasons, according to VBD. Only six other players have done that. Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, Antonio Brown, DeMarco Murray, Jordy Nelson, and Aaron Rodgers. So, 
every single time he's been healthy in his career, he's at least a top 11 fantasy points above replacement player. I'm not saying we should draft him at the end of the first, but maybe that is his actual value. He seems a lot safer to me than Jay Ajayi and Jordan Howard, who are both being picked uh, at the end of the first in their fair share of drafts. So, Evan, what do you think about Gronk at his ADP number 19 right now? I love him, but I, you know I'm a I'm a big Gronk guy. You know, mm-hmm. like I I would have been willing to take him at the end of the first round last year, and of course that would have killed me. Um, but I'm I'm just a big Gronk guy. I play him in DFS every week. You know, every week that I can, and I don't know. He's just I, I love him. You know, uh, <laughs> in his four games last year where he was healthy, he averaged over five catches for 118 yards per oh, game. Oh man. And averaged uh, almost a touchdown per game. He his most of his injuries were bad luck early in the season. Um, he strained his hamstring in the middle of training camp. You know that can happen to anyone. He missed a month with a punctured lung, uh, and then they shut him down to a ruptured disc in his back. And that is the scariest one because he has had this is now his third career back surgery, and we remember why he fell in the draft in the first place in the NFL draft was because of back issues and people thought that, that they would eventually cut short his career. Um, but then by April, he was uh, body slamming people at WrestleMania and he was <laughs> um, a full participant in the OTAs in late May. Uh, last year, when he was when he was in the lineup, he averaged over 15 uh, yards in terms of average depth of target, which is like Deshaun Jackson. Um, this offense looks like it is going to explode in terms of scoring and he's the best touchdown scoring pass catcher in the game he should be still in his prime at age 28 and I think that we saw in a small sample that he was still in his prime last year Uh, and then the last time this 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 is Gronk's ADP is the lowest it's been since 2014 which was when he was coming off of ACL and MCL tears and that year he went on to lead all tight ends in fantasy points he's led all tight ends in fantasy points in three of the last six seasons, he has like 15 to 18 receiving touchdowns in his potential range of outcomes, and uh, he's playing in you know an amazing offense. Yeah, and he's being used like friggin' Deshaun Jackson down the field. <laughs> um, <laughs> when he's healthy, he leads all tight ends by three fantasy points. Like he's got the whole first and second tier all to himself. No, he does. And he like in, in the five games. So there was the four games that he played like the full game through and then he got hurt in the Seattle game. But even if you mm-hmm. include the Seattle game, he averaged 18.7 or more yards per reception in every single one of those games. Like amazing. It, it was ridiculous what he's doing. And Bobby, I love Gronk. I just would not draft him at the end of the first round. Like it is ADP now at number 19. It, it's funny. I did a serious XM draft uh, full of analysts. Uh, it was um, I think it was right after the draft. And uh, I got Gronk in the third round and people were like, the people were criticizing that pick on the air, like, believe it or not. And I was like, I understand that he screwed you over in the past. I get that. Like, but let go of it. Seriously, you have to let go because he is dominant when he's on the field. And regardless of Dwayne Allen or whatever, you know, he is still the man. Uh, And when he's on the field, there is no other tight end you'd rather have in your lineup. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have today. Evan, we really appreciate you coming on the show. It was fun. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. It just came out that Ezekiel Elliott uh, is being accused of breaking a guy's nose. Ooh. So we will see. I'm, I'm sure that on your guys' next show, you will be talking about this plenty. Wow. wow. Yeah, you've got that right. Evan Schefter, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
For everyone listening at home, I just want to say thank you to you guys. Tags and I are thrilled to be able to do this for a living, and it's all made possible by you and our sponsors who keep the show free for you. So please return the favor to them by supporting pristineauction.com, rtsports, and teamstake.com. We're honored to take on sponsors that we believe in, so it's easy to tell you how they can help you. So thank you to Pristine Auction, rtsports, and teamstake.com for helping us live out our dream. For Evan Silva, Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve